Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative to this guy for wisdom. The big first Republican debate, which is more like a WNBA match, just like the JV team. Well, it's going to happen tomorrow on Wednesday night. And Tucker, he's going to do his own counter-programming, pro- counter right? So he's going to play an interview he did with Donald Trump at the same time. I think it's quite brilliant, actually. I like it. <laughs> I think it perfectly defines who Tucker is. Uh you know, ex Fox News guy got ousted. You know, I mean, he's 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 putting up his own, uh, you know, different programming. So we'll see how it goes. Are you planning on watching the? Uh, well, you know, Captain here, he's he's been working overtime. His only day off is tomorrow. Are you going to tune in and watch these debates tomorrow, Captain? He's shaking his head. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. He says as he as he eats. I think Captain just got off a plane, got home. He's stuffing some sustenance in his body so he can be alert here. What is that? Cracker? That's a Ritz cracker? Captain, we got to talk about diet and nutrition here. Oh, I know. I got to put you on my wife's, uh, uh, you know, what she's got me on. But anyway. What does she got you on? So, yeah, I I, I don't know. What's that, Captain? What does she got you on? Uh, well, she's got me on the ripped, uh, the, the ripped meals, you know, so uh, she's, she's packing it full of protein. You know, my wife's a chef, and she also took classes before nutrition, and that's kind of her passion. She was a private chef as well before. So, yeah, just a lot of lean meals. So high, high calorie, really high protein, but I don't know how she does it. I'm just going to be grateful for it. She's got the kid, you know, I and mean, we have a kid together, right? It's, you know, but the kids stopped napping for me, Captain. We're going to get to politics in a minute, but let's just let's just enjoy this for a moment, shall we? Because it's hot and heavy all the time, right? You can learn about how wonderful my personal life is. So, yeah, so the baby, about five months, stopped napping for me. It's kind of traumatic for me because I love my, you know, putting putting the baby down. And But it's been tough because it's not worth the risk. Like, when I when I take the baby... She's good for me until I try to put her down for a nap and she starts screaming. Her cortisol levels, right, they shoot up. And so then it makes it more difficult to actually get her down for a nap. And so it's not worth it to my wife sometimes. If the baby's not going to sleep for me, it makes more work for her in the long run. So she'd rather just do the nap. So my wife is like, I mean, she's a superhero. She's doing all the naps right now because... It's just better for her in the long run. She's still finding time to like prepare, cook lunch. I mean, she makes my meals for me, Captain. I don't want to sound like some lazy guy. Look, I did not ask my wife when we met as a prerequisite, you know, are you going to be like a, what's the old fashioned word? Homemaker, I guess. She was not, by the way, when we met, she was not a homemaker. So I don't know. I don't know who this woman is. I love her. I, I appreciate it. It's amazing. But no, I mean, I'm just, you know. I'm taking my health very seriously. I am working out, you know, basically six days a week. And I want to be in the best shape of my life. You know, it's like, it's, you know, maybe it's having the kid too. I've always been in relatively good shape, but I've fallen out of shape, you know, in recent days. And I just want to feel good. I want to feel good and have energy so I can do this job 
so I can do the other jobs that I have to do. You know, I've got the book coming out. I'm going to be doing interviews from like 5 a.m. till the end. Of, you know, I just, I got to be confident. I got to be camera ready so I can just woo those individuals when I go on Newsmax and so on and so forth. Got to look my best. Um, you know, and I just, I just, I feel good. I feel good. And there's the reality that, you know, who knows when the apocalypse is going to be here. And I want to be ready to wrestle some people to the floor. So that's what's going on with me, Captain. Oversharing? No, 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 no. Okay, look. I, so, I, you know, so the debate's happening tomorrow. I'll probably, out of uh, obligation, work, right? I'll be pitching people to talk about it. I'll probably have, well, I will talk about it with, with you all. So I'll have to watch it tomorrow. Uh, I might just tape it and watch it later. That's probably what I'll do at my convenience. But it's, it's, it's the JV team. It's not the varsity team. You got eight people that are going to be there to debate. I was on a show talking about this earlier today. And a couple things. So eight people are going to be in this thing. It's a tryout. And I don't even know what it's a tryout for anymore. I don't even know that it's necessarily a tryout for a VP candidate, to be honest. It's just a bunch of people who have no chance of beating Trump uh, debating amongst themselves. And, and you know, look, my opinions kind of changed as I look when how do I, you know, six months ago or maybe even more before the candidates had announced and we had the data, we knew that Donald Trump was just leading uh, enormously in these polls. I mean, he's not even, he's in a different, he's in a league of his own. You know, I said, yeah, I want to have a robust debate and primary and so on and so forth. But I never looked at it as, as, as a representation that any of those candidates ever had a chance of replacing Trump. Trump was always going to be the guy, in my opinion. But I thought it would be good to, to, to you know, uh, keep him battle ready and hardened. I, I think these indictments and everything have done enough of that battle hardening for Donald Trump. And so, you know, well, we've got, we've got, I mean, who are we looking at? We're looking at Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy. Those are the two main people, right? And then you've got irrelevant people like Nikki Haley. You've got uh, uh, Scott from South Carolina. Uh, oh, yeah, we've got the, the Democrat-funded failed lap band recipient. What's that, guys? Chris Krispy Kreme. That's right, Chris Christie. He's going to be on the stage. And the best I can hope for is that Chris Christie spends his time like he does on MSNBC just attacking Trump. And you actually see Ron DeSantis and some of these others who I'm not a big fan of because of the way they've conducted themselves in their campaigns actually come to Trump's defense finally and stick it to Chris Christie. I'd love to see them just destroy Chris Christie because it's true. Chris Christie on that stage is really unique because he's really a, a Democrat-funded operative, really. I mean, he's not even a rhino. He is, he is on that stage so that there is a voice to attack Trump from the left. That's why Chris Christie's campaign exists. And I'll prove it to you. As a matter of fact, uh, it is the multi-billionaire Biden mega-donor Barry Diller. He has donated $50,000 to aid the presidential campaign of Chris Christie. Now, this is somebody who's already donated 100000 for the re-election campaign of Joe Biden, but now he's propping up anti-Trump candidates. And the Democrats really don't have this, Captain. 
even RFK Jr. isn't this type of person. You know, RFK Jr. even has gone out of his way. He's kind of changed over the last month or month and a half, but he made it very clear he wasn't making this his campaign even about Joe Biden corruption, which is a mistake because the Biden corruption's real. But that's my point. RFK Jr. isn't joining the race, but you know, to say, I'm just going to attack uh, Biden. I'm going to sabotage Biden. He's not necessarily funded by Republicans for that purpose. They don't have that issue. It's only in the Republican Party that we have this thing where Democrats even intervene in our own campaigns and back and fund candidates who are these frauds who are portending to be and pretending to be Republicans, but really they're just Democrats that are registered as an R. It's really sick. I mean, just the the links the Democrats go to to do this for power. We just don't play the same game, do we, Captain? We're just not as plugged in and and dedicated. So anyway, it's just you've got all these people. I mean, you've got uh, this liberal. She's got a podcast, apparently, Kara Swisher. She gave Chris Christie just five bucks. And she said, because, you know, the reason they do this, you've got to get so many donations, individual donations to qualify to be on the debate stage. In addition to, I think, polling at 1% or something like that in these polls. So there's different criteria. One of the criteria too, by the way, is you have to promise that you will ultimately support the nominee. I don't recall Chris Christie saying he would support Donald Trump if he was the nominee. So I don't even think the RNC is abiding by their own rules, to be honest, Captain. I mean, it's rigged. So, for example, uh, 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 what's his name? L.A. radio host. Uh, Who's running for president, Captain? Black guy. Larry Elder, right? Yeah, so Larry Elder. Larry Elder is is not going to be on the debate stage, but Larry Elder qualifies. He showed that he polled at 1%. And the RNC is saying, well, we don't believe that poll because it's a Trump poll. So you see how their hand is in here anyway, preventing him. And I would love to hear Larry Elder, to be honest. He doesn't have a chance either, but I like Larry Elder. And I think that the American people would benefit from his presence on the debate stage, especially given that he qualifies based on their own criteria. But there they go and say, well, sorry, we don't like that particular poll because it's a Trump poll. So we're not going to allow you on the stage. I think they're just lazy. They don't want to add one more spot. I mean, that's what it's about. But this whole thing is a is a is a joke. I mean, I, I'm sorry. This debate that's happening tomorrow. I mean, what's what's the best that can happen for people? I, I, I mean, I don't know. Ron DeSantis maybe can save face a little bit. Let, let's do this first, Captain. I want to show you two Ron DeSantis's because you know, look, I, I I don't I don't say things I don't mean on here, and it's very infrequent that I would feel any kind of need to apologize or reform something that I had said previously because I think these things through and I'm just an honest guy. I mean, that's my my pledge to you. And I just want to be honest. I understand that I've probably upset some of you coming out in the way that I have. I'll say what it is, essentially against Ron DeSantis and for Donald Trump. I get it. I've probably upset some of you. But I, but I, want, I just want to play you I think I lost my clips. I don't know where they are. I got three clips, Captain. Uh, oh, here they are. Okay. So before I want to get into Maui and all that too, but you know, yeah, cue up. Yeah, cue up this. This is good, Captain. So you've heard 
the listless vessels, right? I am Drew Allen, by the way, your millennial minister of truth, and I am a listless vessel for Trump, apparently. But, you know, there are people that, I'm going to let you hear it for yourself, right? This is what Ron DeSantis said in the interview that has people saying and attacking Ron DeSantis saying, wow, he just, it's like the deplorables, deplorables moment, right? Hillary Clinton called this deplorables. He called this listless festival, vessels, dismissing people who support Trump. Now, there are other sanctimonious people on our side, even some who are not anti or never Trumpers, who are out there saying, I don't like this, what, the, what the right is saying about uh, DeSantis. They're mischaracterizing what he said. He did not call them listless vessels. This is dirty politics. Now, people that are coming out and doing that, these are, I don't like people like that in, in a general sense because, you know, everyone's looking for a, an opportunity to puff their chest up and show that they're better than other people morally superior, right? That's why these people do it. Oh, no, no, no. I am I am so fair, Captain. I'm so fair. How dare the 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 Trump people come out and and attack dissent? This is not what dissent, you know what I'm saying? So I just want to play the clip for you and then I will comment on it. But people on the right, pro-Trump camp, have run with this, destroying DeSantis for calling you if you support Trump a listless vessel, right? Not a very nice thing to say about Trump supporters. Very derogatory, very sanctimonious, I dare say, and condescending. And then you've got people on the left. Well, sorry, I call them on the left now. It's funny. Anyway, then you've got the never Trump, only DeSantis crowd who's saying, how dare these Trump supporters, sycophants, whatever, lie about what DeSantis said. And then you've got people in the middle who are trying to, uh, you know, massage, you know, the pro-Trump and the pro-DeSantis people because they like their audience size and they don't want to offend anybody. Then you got those people saying, well, hold on just a minute. That's not what DeSantis said. I don't like this. So here's DeSantis. Go ahead and play uh, this cut, Captain. Three, go. A movement can't be about the personality of one individual. The movement has got to be about what are you trying to achieve on behalf of the American people? And that's got to be based in principle. Uh, because if you're not rooted in principle, uh, if all we are is listless vessels that's just supposed to follow, you know, whatever happens to come down the pike on Truth Social every morning, th that's not going to be a durable movement. I mean, I'm sorry, Captain. It's not it's not disingenuous to say that he just called Trump supporters listless vessels. I mean, I mean, he's he's setting up the argument, right? He's saying, you know, what Trump's doing, that's what he's talking about. You've got to make, it can't be about one man. Um, if it's not rooted in principle, then you don't have really any kind of real movement. You can't just be a listless vessel for, and he specifically mentions Truth Social, which of course is where Donald Trump exclusively posts, right? So you can't just be a listless vessel for things coming out of Truth Social. So yes, he is. He didn't say, all of you Trump supporters are listless vessels. No, he didn't say it that way. So that's true. But he very clearly is calling Trump supporters listless vessels. And this is an arrogance that's popped up with Ron DeSantis that I don't really appreciate or like. And this is why he has a hard time winning over Trump supporters, because he's not relating to the common man, which is what Trump, a billionaire, ironically, is able to do so well.
so there you have it. I mean, he, he, he did call us listless vessels. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to sit here. Oh, my gosh. I am so virtuous. My name is Drew Allen, and I'm going to defend Ron here. This is not fair. No. No. Um, so there, there you have it. By the way, okay, so we know this Ron, right? This is the Ron that everyone's gotten to know over the past. Well, since he announced, even before he announced his candidacy, when he was using his book tour to do a, you know, pre-presidential campaign, right? That's what he uses book tour for first. So this is Ron. He won't talk about Trump, really. He calls Trump supporters listless vessels. He doesn't have anything good to say about Trump. He believes he's so much superior to Trump. He should should be the president. And he should he deserves our support, right? As much as he talks about no one's entitled to this, well, he sure does seem like he thinks he's entitled to be president in 2024. He couldn't wait his turn, obviously. So, I mean, there you go with the entitlement. But, you know, I just want to make another point here. So, cue up cut two, Captain. This is DeSantis. Before he had this kind of fame and recognition he enjoys now, this is when he ran for governor, I believe, the first time, right? So this would have been, I think, what, 2018, Captain, when this primary was going on. So this is him at the Florida GOP gubernatorial primary debate. And I want you to hear Ron DeSantis. Now, mind you, he's running for governor of Florida, right? He's running for the nomination, or maybe, I don't know if it's the nominee. I don't know if he's running against someone else or if he's running already against uh, Andrew, whatever his name was, the Democrat. But nonetheless, this is him on the debate stage in 2018. Listen to how he talks about Trump. Go ahead, Captain, play it. So here's the, here's the issue, and I deal with this all the time. In, in Washington, in the country, Trump has almost the entire media against him. Fake news day after day after day. He's got the entire Democratic Party after him. He's got the lobbyists after him. He's got the bureaucracy after him. And he's got some Republicans who come after him to kneecap him. And so he is under an attack like no president has faced. And he is standing tall for us. He is working hard. So the last thing I want to do is go out there and lob hand grenades at the president. I think we need to support the president, understand what he's up against, and understand he's facing opposition unlike any other president we've seen. Commissioner. Has something changed? Is he not facing opposition like we've never seen? Are those things now not true? Now, look, Ron DeSantis is perfectly, he's permitted to change his mind. He can evolve, right? Like any of us. But I'm just doing that to show you that this is a radical 180 transformation. This this man that is running for president now or running for the nomination, Ron DeSantis, this is not the same guy. I like that guy, Captain. He's honest. He seems genuine. He's more likable. It's not as forced. He's a little goofy looking there. He's not trying to put on anything. I mean, that's like, that's the Ron DeSantis I liked and supported. And I don't recognize this new Ron DeSantis that's being shaped and formed by rhinos behind the scene. And that's the reality. And I know not everyone agrees with me, but that's why Ron DeSantis can't win. And everyone's sitting here saying, and you know, it's amazing to watch, you know, the mouthpieces from the DeSantis, only DeSantis camp, saying that Trump needs to drop out of the race. He's holding up the Republican Party. 
when it's DeSantis and everyone else who's actually needs to drop out of the race. Now, I'm going to get into talking about Maui, and I'm telling you Trump can win in 2024. Now, the Democrats are doing everything they can to remove him from the ballot, right? So they're talking about the 14th Amendment. I've told you a thousand times, and I'll just keep repeating it. The dumbest conspiracy theory, the stupidest talking point, the dumbest thing said by people who don't want Trump to be president is that he's the easiest candidate to beat, and the Democrats are indicting Trump because they want to ensure that he's our nominee. So you have the Democrats showing their hand. They're actually trying to push using Lawrence Tribe and these other fake constitutional lawyers out there. They're trying to push this idea that Trump can be prevented from running from office based on a Civil War era amendment. Essentially saying, well, Trump committed treason, and so therefore he's disqualified. And they're trying to actually convince various officers in states to start pulling him off the ballot. Be prepared to pull him off the ballot. So if you're in, you know, California, for example, he's not on the ballot. You can't even vote for Trump if you want to. So how is that again, Captain? Making Trump easy? Yeah, very easy to beat if he's not even running. And then to hear the DeSantis camp say, there's no way Trump can win. It's a guarantee that we're going to lose the general. And yet, how can they possibly, what's their evidence that Ron DeSantis is a shoe-in, right? He's going to win the general? He can't even win the nomination from his party? I'm sorry, I keep coming back to this. Now, the problem has always been weak-kneed Republicans who can't stand up to the D.C. establishment, to rhinos and even Democrats. How, how can it be so hard to have the principle to support Trump? The, the Democrats out there have a guy who is oatmeal-brained, diaper-wearing, idiot, the worst president in U.S. history, the most corrupt president in U.S. history. And they're not saying, gee, we should get another guy because he can't win, despite all these flaws, right? They don't say that. So how is it? We have to sit here and believe there's no way we can beat Joe Biden or I don't care, even Newsom or so. We can't. Yeah, with that attitude, we can't win. That's contagious. But if we would sit here and all just rally around Trump, I mean, obviously he's a better candidate than any candidate that Democrats could possibly have because they're Marxists and they're liars and they're frauds. So I, I just, I, this, is the pro, this is the disconnect for me, Captain, every time. We can't support Trump, but Democrats can support Biden. Democrats can say that, Biden can win a general election against Trump based on cheating in 2020? Sure. But we don't have any confidence. I mean, it's just, I'm telling you, they're playing mind games. They don't want you to support Trump. They're afraid of this outspoken vocal support. They don't want you flying the Trump flags. And yet, there's no attacks, violence against leftists. No one's keying cars because somebody has a Biden sticker on their car. And yet, I don't see any Biden flags. You see, the very people who are supposed to be so confident about Joe Biden and the Democrats and so confident that they can beat Trump, well, guess what? They are afraid and ashamed to show their support for Biden right now, aren't they? I still see Obama stickers on cars 
that are over a decade old, barely visible, but I don't see any Biden stickers anywhere. No Biden-Harris, and I live in California, right? They're ashamed, and it's about turnout. All right, so Joe Biden, who uh, never Trumpers say is a shoe in he's definitely going to beat Trump. So this guy, let's see, he was on vacation when the Maui fire started and happened. His first words were no comment. And then he goes on another vacation. And then 14 days later, after the fire, right, after all these children are burned alive in Maui, he shows up today, yesterday, Monday, smiling, smirking as he gets off Marine One. He gives $700 checks to those who lost everything, including their lives, in the Maui fire while he's calling for billions of dollars to be given to Ukraine right now. We have a president of the United States who just went to Maui after ignoring them for 14 days and saying he had no comment, telling the people who still don't know if their loved ones are alive or dead, some of them know, already knowing that their children were burned alive like they were in Pompeii. And his words to them, I can relate to you because my kitchen was on fire one time and I almost lost my Corvette. This is a sick, sick man. And I'm telling you, there is a French Revolution type, and this is not a good thing, by the way. There is a French Revolution type of emotion that is starting to brew out there. And not just with Republicans, with Democrats. Hawaii votes for who? Republicans or Democrats? Overwhelmingly for Democrats, for Joe Biden. And do you know how Joe Biden, the man they elected, do you know how they greeted him when he showed up with his gas-guzzling armada of SUVs? With the F word. F-U. F-U. That's the words from Biden's so-called supporters in Hawaii, in Maui, as he showed up. I am telling you, this is the most winnable election in U.S. history. The people are recognizing what he's done to them, how he's abandoned the American people. And that's exactly what's happened here. And what happened in Maui, there's a cover-up going on, and I don't know what happened. I can tell you, as you've probably heard and maybe surmised yourselves, what we do know, at at Best case scenario, the grossest form of negligence and incompetence took place in Maui amongst the quote-unquote elected officials and even unelected officials that led to the circumstances in which a thousand people were possibly burned alive. You got the woo-woo water man who uh, had a relationship with the Obama Foundation, who wouldn't release water to the firefighters for five hours. Kind of hard to fight a wildfire if you don't have water in your hose, right? And they justify this. You have the emergency siren system that wasn't... I mean, I want you to think about what happened here. This, the governor, the mayor of Maui there, they will not answer questions. They've done a blackout. They don't want media there. 
Why? Why don't they want questions? Why can't they answer questions? They cannot tell you because they don't want to tell you how many children are gone, dead, perished. And I do want to spend a moment on this, and I want to paint a fairly vivid picture because we cannot let this go. Just like we cannot let what happened to those 13 U.S. service members who were blown up in a suicide bombing in Kabul as we, during the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. You know the administration had prior warning of that very suicide bombing taking place and they ignored the warnings? And then, of course, they retaliated by dropping a drone bomb on a dozen innocent Afghans and then lying to us and telling us they killed the planners responsible for the bombing. This administration, they're murderers. And the only words that should come out of our mouth automatically, forgive me, are F all of you. F all of you. And this will be come back around in a moment because they're, gonna, they're bringing back mandates, baby. COVID's coming back. You might not have heard it here first, but you'll remember you heard it from my lips. They're laying the groundwork now. And at a minimum, they're going to institute mask mandates. That's a minimum. But we know that's just the laying the brickwork for what's to come afterwards, right? And I'll prove that to you as well. So go ahead and queue up cut one, Captain. This is Joe Biden. These are the words of comfort he had to offer those struck by this tragedy in Maui who lost their loved ones, lost their businesses, lost their homes in this fire. Imagine him saying this to you. You lost your daughter. You lost your son. They're missing. They're burned alive. You lost your business. You lost your house in this fire, and it's the government's fault. They didn't give you warning. They didn't give you water to fight the fire. And this is what the president of the United States shows up after 14 days on vacation to tell you. Go ahead, Captain. I don't want to compare difficulties, but we have a little sense, Jill and I, what it's like to lose a home. Years ago, now 15 years ago, I was in Washington doing Meet the Press. It was a sunny Sunday. And lightning struck at home on a little lake that's outside of our home, not a lake, a big pond, and hit a wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning duct. To make a long story short, I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, <laughs> and my cat. But all kidding aside, I watched the firefighters, the way they responded. You know, there's an old expression. I grew up right across the street from a fire hall in Claymont, Delaware. And the expression. This guy's a psychopath. There should be 500,000 people standing outside the White House while he's there with pitchforks, just waiting. No violence, just letting him know that they reject him. I mean, this is what should be happening in the United States right now. 
We don't need the violence. But there should be a great show, a great show of opposition to this current regime ruling over us. This guy is a murderer. The officials in Hawaii are murderers. I mean, what kind of situation has to take place, Captain, for a thousand people approximately to be killed in flames? Do you realize there are hundreds of children that are just missing and unaccounted for? Where do we think they are? And I want to tell you, you know, this Maui mayor is talking about how they got everything they wanted. This president's so good, so good. Well, Captain, you're a military guy. Uh, I believe there are like 250. Oh, here we go. I actually have it. The Hawaii National Guard has activated about 258 soldiers and airmen for duty. That's who's, who's helping on the ground in Maui. 258 soldiers. Now, I'm sure this will be shocking news to you, but we have multiple military bases in Hawaii. I don't know if people are familiar with something called Pearl Harbor, for example. That still exists. There are up to 40,000 plus active troops in Hawaii right now. That's not to mention the 10, 12,000, I don't know what the number is, but National Guard that are present as well. Now, this isn't necessarily Joe Biden's, Joe Biden's gone mentally anyway. This guy's not doing anything. But my point is, this governor of Hawaii and this mayor of Hawaii obviously aren't rushing to fix this situation. 258 people, I'll give you context about America last, and this is what you get if you vote Democrat. There was a volcanic eruption that just took place as well in Papua New Guinea. Uh, actually, I know this place because I had a client that actually lives there and he works with the locals. Uh, Bougainville, I don't know how you pronounce it to be honest, but anyway, it's in Papua New Guinea. On one of the island. It's one of the islands, right? One of the towns in one of the islands. And so in response to the volcanic eruption they had there, the U.S. sent the amphibious assault ship, the USS America, and the 31st Marine Expeditionary Unit to support U.S. government efforts for foreign disaster relief to affected residences at the request of the nation's government. That's not our government. That's Papua New Guinea who said, we need help. And we sent two ships, a ship and an entire expeditionary unit to support Papua New Guinea's U.S. government efforts for foreign disaster relief. And over the course of the 10-day humanitarian assistance operation, sailors and Marines provided aerial transportation for nearly 35 tons of disaster relief and supplies to remote aid centers on the island. Now, this is an undeveloped place. This is hard to get to. This is not a first world country or location like Hawaii is, right? Hawaii actually has infrastructure. I mean, right there on the big island. 40,000 troops. By the way, you know the people in Hawaii, in, 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 uh, in Maui, over there near Lanai? Apparently the water supply, because of the fire, has been so damaged that even with tablets and things like that, they're telling them you can't drink the water. Like heating up the water isn't good enough. That's how... That's how messed up the water supply has become. So they don't have drinking water. 
Now, I point this out because just on Hawaii, you know, every single one of these troops has their own supply of water. I mean, that's part of the ration. I mean, these the, that you carry around water with you in canteens and so on and so forth. So my, my point is, why are these people not on the island giving their water to these people that are don't have access? But I, this is not Papua New Guinea. This is the United States of America. We have people that don't have drinking water right now. And if we were a proper first world country that was serious and wanted to send a signal of support, comfort to our own people, and a message to other countries around the world. You know what happened right now, Captain? We would be trying to set a record. I mean, first, obviously, you want to find all the dead. You want to get all, that's your first priority. Get the dead. Collect them all. Identify them all. That's what should be happening. And you would send as many people as you need to do it as fast as possible. It's been how many days, and it still hasn't happened. They're still bringing in additional, you know, morgues to fit the bodies while they're being dishonest and not telling us how many children are dead. And then what I would do, Captain, is I would make sure that whatever resources our own countrymen needed were provided so that, you know what, Lanai should be built back to the way it was and even better in the next year. Every single one of those people, their homes, their big, why don't we do this for our own people? We can do it. We can send over $100 billion to the Ukrainians. Lanai's not that big, folks. I mean, that's, that's what we should be doing. Okay, let's rebuild. Let's, get, let's, let's clear this out in record time. Get the bodies, clear this rubbish out, and we're going to rebuild. And Lanai's going to be ready and operational, and you're going to have your home, and you're going to have your business, and you're going to have tourism again as fast as possible. Instead, what are they doing? Well, it's going to take a long time is what the guy, this is the Democrat party, a party of hopelessness, of malaise. They don't tell you how great you can be. They tell you to accept your new crappy existence. It's the best you can do. And that's what the governor said when he said, it's going to take a long time to rebuild. And we're looking at ways that the state can actually take over this land. What kind of message is that? You lost everything and your governor's telling you you're never going to get it back. Maybe we'll build a monument or a park here instead so you can remember what you once had. I'm angry, Captain. This isn't how we treat our citizens. This isn't how we treat one another. I don't care if these people are Democrats. I don't care if they're, I don't care if they're communists living in Lanai. They're American citizens, for God's sake. Unbelievable. So anyway, all right. So, you know, the unbeatable Joe Biden, you know, the greatest candidate in U.S. history, got the most votes ever legally, fairly, of course. You know, yeah, he's just unbeatable, man. You heard him. Listen to that guy talk. My wife and I had a kitchen fire and I almost lost my cat, my Corvette, and my wife. I mean, th this is crazy. I just, you know, I think about, you know, I, I, I used to spend the night one of my best friends growing up, his parents immigrated from Bulgaria. They actually smuggled him out of the country, right? Communism, right? It sucked. And uh, so they came to the U.S. They were both doctors in Bulgaria, but the United States didn't recognize their medical licenses. 
So the husband went back to work, put himself through medical school, became a doctor again in the U.S. He's very was very successful as an ER uh, trauma doctor. Uh, his wife raised the kids. They had four kids. And anyway, one of their, their kids, a son, uh, was one of my best friends growing up. And anyway, I remember being in his house one time. I'd spend the night. My mom and uh, uh, Veronica, his mother, were really good friends. And so when she came up to pick me up one time, they were in the kitchen. I remember they were in the kitchen cooking something, doing whatever, and a fire broke out in the kitchen. And it was a huge fire. Did not burn the house down, but it was a huge fire in the kitchen. And they were rushing to put it out, and they put it out, you know. I don't know if they used flour. I forgot what they were doing at the time. But anyway, they, they put this fire out. But my point is, that's the kind of fire Joe Biden's talking about. Now imagine you lose your family in a house fire. And I go to your funeral, and I say, hey, I know you lost Mindy. I know you lost Tommy. I know you lost Susie. I know you lost your dog. I know you lost everything. But let me tell you, I know something about that because I had a fire in my kitchen one time and I almost died. I mean, what? This guy's presidency should be over like every single time one of these, right? I mean, this is, this is, this is unforgivable. Murdered children because of incompetence. You get what you vote for. I'm not saying this to the Hawaiians. I'm not that, that, that that's psycho. To, but I'm, I'm saying... You do get what you vote for, right? You vote for DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. You vote for wokeism. You vote for Democrats, and you get tragedy. So what did we learn recently about this great guy, Joe Biden? Pedo Peter. Remember that? Pedo Pete or Pedo Peter? Well, now we know where it comes from. So the vice president at the time, Joe Biden, used pseudonyms to communicate with his son, right? You've heard about this story. Robert Peters was one of those names. Let's see, Robert Peters, Robin Ware, and J.R.B. Ware. So the House Oversight Committee is trying to get these documents from the National Archives, unredacted communications that involve these three pseudonyms. So among these documents that James Comer is requesting, is an email sent to a Robert Peters, that would be Joe Biden, using the pseudonym, with the subject line, Friday Schedule Card, which included an attachment that had details about a scheduled phone call between VP Biden and Ukrainian president at the time, Petro Poroshenko, in May 2016. The only person copied on the email was Hunter Biden. It is unbelievable. Hunter Biden did not work for the administration in any capacity. He was busy doing coke and hookers. And he's been copied using this pseudonym, of course, on emails with the vice president of the United States. Again, this is the type of revelation that should end a presidency, but we're just numb. The media doesn't report on it. No big deal, right? So, you know, this is from, I think, the Federalists. But, you know, it's just, it's just, I, I like the way they lay this out in the article. It's so odd. Why would Biden use an alias to convey this information to his son? And why, if there was an absolute wall between Hunter's foreign business schemes and his father's duties as vice president, as Biden has repeatedly claimed, would he have told his son about a phone call with the Ukrainian president, right? Why does his son need to know about a call he's having with the Ukrainian president? Hmm. 
especially since the son Hunter was sitting on the board at Burisma at the time. And of course, you know why. I know why. Captain knows why. The entire country knows why. It's the same reason Biden had coffee and went to dinner with his son's foreign business associates when he was VP. It's the same reason Hunter called his father and put him on speakerphone during various business meetings. It's why the Bidens created a network of shell companies to receive tens of millions in payments from oligarchs in Russia, Kazakhstan, Ukraine, Romania, and China. The reason is this, the Bidens are corrupt. And it's not hard to understand. It's straightforward. It's easy. It's so obvious. They didn't even try very hard to hide it, is the point this article makes. That's just... And this guy, Captain, though, we just can't beat this guy with Trump. That's what, that's what I'm told. We just can't beat him, you know? No way. I mean... You know, it's, it's just, it's tough, you know? I'm kind of like myself on a seesaw here because I'm hopeful captain because it's so clear what's taking place here I mean this guy this guy if we actually had the FBI do its job and actually investigate and look into this and put it all together right? if we'd have a trial about this but the penalty for this is is the de- this is the death penalty I I'm not trying to be controversial. I'm I'm just trying to explain to you how serious the crimes committed by the Bidens and other Democrats is. It's the death penalty. It's treason. And while they committed treason, they're trying to put Trump in jail. For what? Doing what Democrats have done themselves? Even less than that. Even less than that. So, I, I, I think we should all begin to contemplate, Captain, what are we going to do individually should the Biden administration in collaboration with businesses and other bureaucracies, state governors, localities run by Marxist Democrats, what are we going to do when they bring back mask mandates? F U to H E double hockey sticks. That's the only response. You know, it's time to become a little bit more aggressive. Uh, this, this appetite, at least for me, of just endless passivity, endless taking it up to you-know-what, it's done. And it has to be done. Because they're going to do this so long as we permit them to do it. And remember, they don't have any power. You know, two years ago. Now look, you know, in the beginning, I get, everybody gets a pass. 15 days to slow the spread, whatever, you know. And then it morphed into something else. 
A lot of people gave him the benefit of the doubt. We dealt with Democrats who were nasty and mean. I lost so many friendships over this, right? They called me a monster. They stopped following me on social media because I spoke out against the mandates, right? And they viciously, I mean, they couldn't be friends with me anymore. And, you know, I, I, for much of that time, just out of respect, out of not wanting to create a scene, I wore a mask. Now, towards the end, I lived in California, right? So they brought this thing back and forth so many times. Eventually, I just didn't do it anymore. I said, screw you. I did. But for a long time, I didn't do that. And this time, we can't do that. We can't play nice with these people anymore. If they want to wear a freaking mask on their face, honestly, they should be told they're idiots. Me can do it a nicer way than that. You know, it's like, I get it. You're not going to go up to every person and say, you're a stupid person. You know, that's not what I'm advocating. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in a general sense to make a point. I'm not that way. I don't demean people like that unless they're politicians and certain people that deserve it. And an example needs to be made. But... They're in the wrong, just like they were before. And we cannot continue to contribute to this fantasy land that they're living in. We can't be a part of it anymore. They've got six masks on their face, even though the science says masks don't work for the sixth time. Like definitively, we know masks don't work. And they want to tell you after all of that, after everything we've been through, after doing nothing, they want to put tell you to put the mask back on your face and you're just going to comply? Who are we? What are we? Are we Americans? Or are we a bunch of fuddy-duddies from some other crappy country that didn't evolve like we did? So I would just start thinking about it now. How are you going to react? Now, maybe some of you think, I don't have to worry about this. I live in, I don't know, whatever. I live in Florida. DeSantis isn't going to do it, right? Good for you. But others, it's going to happen and it's coming. Now, I'm going to read this to you. This is from Gateway Pundit. Now, look, InfoWars, right? Alex Jones was actually the first to break this. Now, some of you might be saying, I don't like that guy. He's an extreme conspiracy theorist, whatever. Well, look. Alex Jones has actually gotten a lot of things correct. But with regard to this, Alex Jones, it was people from the TSA who reached out to him, right? Whistleblowers, essentially. So you can you can think Alex Jones is not credible or whatever else, but this has been corroborated, right? I mean, these are TSA people coming to Alex Jones who told him what was going on. And you can actually look it up and read the internet and look at the stories and see that it is happening, actually. So look, So a high-level TSA official reached out to InfoWars. This is what happened. And they detailed this meeting where TSA managers were informed of new memorandum. Actually, Captain, you might find find out about this before all of us. He'll be our whistleblower. Uh, But anyway, so so the TSA managers were informed of new memorandums and policies that are going to re-implement mask wearing. So the policies will reinstate the mask mandate for TSA and airport employees starting in mid-September, right? This is how it starts. And then, according to the TSA official, um, 
Further details on how the policy will escalate will be provided the next week. So the official said that by mid-October, mask wearing is going to be mandated for pilots, flight staff, passengers, and airport patrons. So InfoWars then reached out to Border Patrol, a source there, who was also in a managerial position. And the source there corroborated these directives, confirming that similar measures were being planned for Border Patrol personnel. They were told it's not a matter of if, but when. Official COVID numbers will go back up. Now, now that you've heard me tell you this, just, I mean, you're going to see it everywhere. You'll see the signs everywhere. The media, I saw Lester Holt pushing this. You thought that COVID was in the past. People have been enjoying their summers. Ha, ha, ha. Stop enjoying your lives because we're bringing back COVID. Now, they're focused on this new variant. I don't know, EG5. Uh, you know, they got all these stupid names for them. And I want you to remember something, too. Do you remember when this all started, Captain? Like February of 2000. You had the... Uh, the elf, Fauci, saying, oh, there's nothing to worry about here. Right? You know, this is this is what they do to you. They lure you in. Hey, hey, hey. The chances of anything, mandates, spread, it's all minuscule. Minuscule was the word that, that Fauci used in February. And of course, then it was, we don't need masks, 15 days, now you need masks, and now we're locking down. He's still an advocate for lockdowns. They will lock this country down to gain control again. They will do it. And they're prepared to do it. And I'm just telling you, you got to make a decision now. What are you going to do? And it's not that hard. I mean, you know, hard decisions will have to be made to some extent, but also the easiest decision. Do not comply. I hate that it's become such a trite phrase, but it's true. Do not comply. And you can hear, I mean, the experts are being brought up. I mean, all it is, all it is, is a matter of the media at this point, right? All they have to do is start reporting COVID numbers every day. They can gin up the worry just like they did before. And of course, this is coming at a time when Pfizer stock is in desperate need of a booster. That's what this booster is really about. It's not boosting your health. It's boosting their stocks. And their profits. Because, you know, they need, they, they got to have the next thing. And all they do is generate vaccines, right? Even though this isn't a vaccine. It's just like the biggest scam ever. And they're not even, I mean, it's lit- they're doing the exact same playbook. Hey, there's this new variant out there. Don't be too concerned. And they slowly leak it out, right? The narrative changes. And so if you read, I've been reading these stories, right, from, you know, the reliable CNNs right out there, right? Those people. And they say, the second case of this new variant was discovered in a man in the Everglades. He was from China. Yeah, I mean, this, this is how they're reporting it, right? It's like a reset. It's like, we're supposed to believe and forget that we've had COVID since 2020 and even before, actually, and that we've had variants, Omicron, all along. And this is what viruses do. They mutate. There's always going to be a new variant of COVID. That's just the way it works. 
But they're presenting the story like it's the second case. You understand what I'm saying? It's like we've gone back to 2020 with the way they're reporting it. Oh, man, this new variant is like the first COVID we've ever had. Two cases discovered, and then it's 10. And then the media is saying, oh, my gosh, hospitalizations are up 14%. Cases are up 25%. If you don't lock down, we've got to protect the elderly. Those, I mean, I, this is where it's going. I don't know how far they're going to take it. But it seems pretty clear that the mass mandates are definitely happening. And if mass mandates are happening, despite knowing that the science doesn't back up the usage of masks, well, that leads me to believe that other lockdowns would follow. They need crisis, folks. They need crisis. They need compliance. They need a distraction. And what better distraction than you're all going to die again? Nobody's talking about anything. Trump, let's put him in jail, but let's just focus on COVID. Anyway, uh, just to end, our beloved president, uh, he's taking action to restrict oil and gas development after settling with eco groups. So they're trying to protect some whale, I think, in the Gulf of Mexico. They're saying it's endangered, Captain. Now, it's not endangered by our drilling, mind you. That's not a real thing. But they're declaring this whale endangered to prevent drilling from taking place, right? Now, while they're worried about this non-issue, they have no problem building windmills up the wazoo, which actually are killing whales, right? You've seen these stories? Whales are, yeah, they're being killed because it's disrupting whatever they're, they're, they're sonar systems or whatever they use. And lastly, lastly, I just want to tell you folks how disgraceful the media and Democrats are. So ProPublica is this liberal Democrat funded investigative, uh, you know, website devoted to uh, questioning the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. They're the outfit that's been putting out these stories and hit jobs on Clarence Thomas, for example, right? Now, their latest story featured a previously unreported voyage on a yacht around the Bahamas that Clarence Thomas took and didn't disclose. But guess what? This is another losers and suckers hoax. This trip never happened. So ProPublica's out there attacking Clarence Thomas for going on some trip on a yacht around the Bahamas, but the only problem is it's a made-up story. Never happened. So anyway, I just want you to know that that's how sick these people are. That's how far they will go. They'll simply just invent stories if they have to, to push a narrative. All right, well, I might be back tomorrow to discuss these debates. We'll see. I'll talk to Captain. Even if I have to do just an audio version, I'll do it. Captain needs a day off, though. He needs a day off. You do. You do. I'm going to give you a day off. Okay, I won't tell you about it. I'll send you the clips later. But anyway, all right. Well, hey, it's been great being back with you. I think we got over an hour here, huh, Captain? I mean, no man's telling me what to do. Oh, no? We're not there yet? How long should I keep talking? Oh, we're at one hour. All right, well, I got to close it down, folks. I got to shut it down. I, I, I had him set the timer, by the way, for 45 minutes, knowing that I would then do 60 minutes. And it looks like I tricked myself. It worked. All right, God bless you all. Uh, this is Drew Allen, your Millennial Minister of Truth.
a listless vessel for freedom. Until next time. Conservative Drew Allen has died hard conservative to this guy for wisdom.